Okay, so confession time for me. Very quickly. Good morning, by the way. Confession time for me. Uh, I'm a quick responder, right? Yeah, everybody. If you know me, you know that. I'm a quick responder. I'm someone that uh, I often let emotion and feeling dictate my decisions, and I respond very quickly uh, when I experience something. And that's okay if someone's telling a joke. That's okay if, uh, you know, it's kind of a lighthearted conversation. That's okay to be a quick responder. But when I experience um, an emotion or, or a feeling, boom, I let it out. I don't hide it. You know, I've uh, I've often joked I'm kind of like a bottle rocket. You know, I I go off quick. Now, it's over pretty quick, but I I go off pretty quick. If I have a feeling, you know, boom, I respond. If I see something, I go off. If I hear somebody say something, I'm going to react, and I'm typically going to react very quickly. Now, if you're anything like me, if you kind of are in the same boat, you say, yeah, I'm kind of a quick responder too. Here's what that means. That means that in a moment, You know, kind of in a flash when we're faced with a decision, right? So we come to the proverbial fork in the road and we have to make it, you know, choose a direction. We have to go this way or we have to go that way. If you're a quick responder like me, what that means is in that moment, we've let our feelings and our emotions dictate our choice. We've let our feelings choose the life trail that we're going to pick. And man, in a moment and in a flash, I am down that trail that emotions and feelings have chosen for me. And very often, I find myself running down that path. Sometimes I'm already way down that trail that my emotions chose before I even realize I made a decision. It's like, oh, wow, when did that happen? How did I get here? You look around and like, how did I get to this point? How, how did this happen? And the problem with that is this. The problem with being a very quick responder is this. If the trail that I have chosen takes me to the edge of a mountain or the edge of the cliff, I might not be able to stop before I fall off, right? I might not be able to stop in time. I may not be able to stop before I say something that I shouldn't say or I do something that injures myself or injures someone who's around me because, man, I'm just running. I'm such a quick responder. And when I fall on an emotionally chosen path, it's more likely that I'm going to, uh, it's going to be very destructive for me, and it's going to be very destructive for the people that I love. Because we say things that we can't take back, right? I mean, how many times have you said something, and then immediately after saying it, you think, oh, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it the way I said it. And we do things when we're quick responders, and we quickly choose paths. We do things uh, that, you know, cause more hurt then they help. We operate in the moment off a gut instinct, and we end up hurting ourselves sometimes and others. But there's another type of quick responder. That's an external quick responder. I consider myself more of an external quick responder. But there's another type of quick responder. This may uh, more connect with you. It would be the person who internalizes everything. They're very quick to respond, but they kind of make it internal. They they make it uh, a very internal response. Now, there's a quick response And typically speaking, the person that internalizes everything, they take that trail quickly. They've chosen that life trail very quickly. And then slowly over time, they destroy themselves from the inside out. Starts in our mind, what we're telling ourselves about ourselves, what we're telling ourselves about others. Um, And the further that we go down that trail that we've chosen quickly out of emotion and out of feeling, the further we get down that trail of internalizing, the more we begin to destroy ourselves mentally. And then, here's what happens very often. As we are destroying ourselves mentally, it begins to manifest itself physically, right? 
we start to experience that manifestation happening, happening physically. Let me give you an example. By what we eat. Do not raise your hand, okay? Don't raise your hand when I ask this question. But how many people are emotional eaters? I'll raise mine. <laughs> you know, you don't have to raise yours. I'm an emotional eater. When I, and and it's, it's interesting. It's whatever, it doesn't matter the emotion. If I'm happy, I eat. <laughs> if I'm sad, I eat. If I, I just eat. I think that's the problem. I just eat. But how many people have said, I'm an emotional eater? I've heard this my whole life. I'm 30, almost 38. I've got to quit saying 37. I'm getting so close to 38. But I've heard this my whole life. I'm an emotional eater, and my emotional food of choice is chocolate. I've heard that my whole life. I eat chocolate, you know? But what we choose to eat, what we choose not to eat, what we choose to do to make ourselves feel better in that moment that we've chosen a path emotionally, and it's kind of making us feel pretty bad, or maybe what we choose to do to make us feel nothing at all. Doesn't matter if we respond externally, if we respond internally, we're just quick responders. That's our nature. I would even go so far as to say that some people can be external responders or internal responders just depending on their current situation and how they're feeling, what's going on. We don't understand how we got so far down the path. We don't know how in the world we got on the wrong trail. It's like what Harley talked about last week. Comes as a surprise. Man, how did this happen? How did I get myself into this situation? It happens almost as a surprise. How did this happen? We don't understand what's going on while we're on the trail that we're on. We just know we're not very happy. We're not very happy. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was the guy who wrote, remember, he was inspired by God to write basically one-third of the New Covenant. This is a pretty significant guy in the Bible. And he took kind of a look at himself. He kind of did a self-evaluation of himself. And one of the things that Paul discovered about himself is that he, too, was a very quick responder. He responded very quickly. And we know that because he kind of talks about it in Romans chapter 7, which we're going to read. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. It's going to be on your screen. We're going to kind of pick it up in the middle of the verse. And this is what Paul says. And I can relate to the first couple of sentences. The trouble is with me. I'm all too human and a slave to sin. Now, I know me personally, I kind of sometimes look at the uh, the individuals that were in the Bible, the New Covenant specifically, Matthew, Mark, James, John, Peter, Paul. And I almost look at them like they're these mythological characters that, yeah, they existed, but they don't really relate to me or I don't relate to them. But that's not the case. They're human just like I am. Paul says it right here in verse, I am all too human. And then he says something in verse 15 that I feel like we all will relate to. This is what he says. He, re- he writes, I don't really understand myself. How many times have I said that? Why did I do that? Why do I say things the way I say them? I mean, that's for me. It's not what I say. It's how I say it, you know? Why did I do that? Why did I react that way? Why did I? Do- I don't understand why I do things the way I do them. Paul can relate. That's what he said in verse 15. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, we're all susceptible to choosing wrong life trails. Paul was susceptible to choosing wrong life trails. I mean, this is the same guy that wrote the scripture, the passage that we're using as a jumping off point for this series. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, where he says, so be, Paul says, so be careful how you live. In other words, look all around you, compare everything, weigh the pros and the cons, be very careful, be very cautious, and make sure that you look at your past. Make sure you look at the life trails that you've marked in your past, the, the past your successes, your failures, 
Look at those things. Look at the destinations that you visited and allow them to help you make a wise decision today. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. It's the same Paul that wrote that that also said, I'm all too human. I make bad choices. And we said that because Paul said that in Ephesians chapter 5, we said that at every opportunity that we are presented, every invitation that we are offered, and every desire or every craving that kind of wells up inside of us, we said that before we act thoughtlessly, before we just kind of jump on a life trail that's chosen by emotion and feeling and we act quickly, which is our default, we've got to ask a new question. We have to stop and we have to ask a different question question if we're going to do what Paul says, which is to make wise choices. And the question isn't, is this allowed? The question is not, does the new covenant or does the Bible say it's okay? And if the Bible says it's okay, then it must be an okay trail for me to go down. Our question is not, is it ethical? Is it legal? Is it moral? Is it biblical? And if it is, then it's okay. That's, that can't be our question. We said last week that our question has to be what is, in light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? In fact, we put a little, uh, little pithy statement up there on that. We said, asking if it's allowed isn't the trail for you. Instead, what's the wise thing to do? That's our question. And that's how we determine the direction and the trails that we choose when they're not clearly marked by God. So this week, we're going to actually add a step. We said we would. At the end of last week, we said that we were going to flesh this thing out, and we were going to continue on this hike. So this week, we're going to add another step to our question. And that uh, reason we're going to do that is because, remember, the verse that Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.15, it said to be careful. Be careful. Now, that word, be careful, if we translate it literally, the word that is translated, be careful, it does not insinuate like if you have a teenage son or a teenage daughter and they're going to go across town hang out with their friends and you just say, hey, be careful. Just be careful and be home before dark. That's not what that word means. That word actually means it, it's much more serious. It's be careful, be cautious, pay attention. Do not take another step. Do not make a decision before you consider all that is around you before you choose a trail. So today... We're saying that we can't only look at our past experience. We should, but that's not enough. Today, we also, we're saying that we also look at our immediate circumstances and our current emotional state. What's going on right now in my life? What's happening in the here and now to me that could potentially affect the decisions that I'm making? So in light of that, this is our question. In light of my past experience, and my current situation, what's the wise thing to do? When my quick response nature is screaming at me, Cole, go, full speed ahead, make a choice, get on the trail, go, go as hard and as fast as you can, which is my default, I'm a quick responder. When that's what my inner quick response nature is screaming, I've got to stop. I've got to take a deep breath, I've got to look around, and I've got to do what Paul said. I've got to be careful how I live. And I've got to look at my current situation, my right now. And I've got to ask, am I craving something right now? Is there something going on in my life that will affect the decision that I make? See, cravings are hardwired on our DNA by God. God put them there. Cravings. Let me give you an example. We all have a craving 
to feel value, to have value. Every one of us in this room has a craving to feel value. Value is the opposite of worthlessness. We all have a, a craving to feel value. Now, some experience it more than others, but it's, it's there for all of us. Fighting against that feeling of worthlessness. And when I feel worthless in my here and now, in the moment, when I'm feeling worthless, I'm in danger of picking a trail that's going to make me feel better. That's going to kind of scratch that itch that I'm feeling in that moment. And I'm in danger of that trail potentially ending in more pain and, and in another scar. Because we all have a craving for value. We all have a craving for entertainment. Right? We all have a craving to be entertained. No one likes to be bored. We all have a craving to have an experience. Rachel, my five-year-old, I actually asked this morning if it was okay for me to tell this story. She said yes. When we go to Malvern each on Sundays, it's about an hour and 30, hour and 40 minutes, depending on how many lights you catch and how fast you drive. When we go to Malvern on Sundays, when we drive to Malvern and back to Malvern on Sunday, she asks, or she makes this statement about five, six times, and it's this, Daddy, this is boring. Dad, this is boring. I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. I'm bored. It doesn't matter what, well, if she's got a book, if she's got the, the device and she's got the movies, it doesn't matter. She's going to say five, six times in that trip during that day, Daddy, this is boring. And she's right, it is boring. But it's in there. It is hardwired into her DNA to crave entertainment. Let me kind of relate it to us. How many bad decisions have you made and have I made in my life because I was bored? Right? Let me put it even closer to Stuttgart, Arkansas. How many bad decisions have been piled up on top of one another because you were bored and you were looking for some type of entertainment sitting on the old Kroger parking lot? Or, for our older generation, because you were going up and down Main Street, turning around out there at the railroad tracks, right? How many bad decisions were made because we're bored? Because we crave entertainment. We crave, hey, I crave love. Everyone in this room has a built-in DNA, uh, imprinted on our DNA, craving for love. I want to feel loved. Built-in craving. So when I'm feeling unloved in that moment, I am very susceptible in my decision-making to picking a trail in the moment and on a search to feel love. And the results could be devastating emptiness, and it, it could be bad if I choose wrongly in the moment. Give you another one. This is going to connect. We all have a craving for food, right? No one likes to, I, 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 mean, I have a craving for food. What happens when we allow that craving to make too many decisions? I mean, right? Yeah. Uh, turn sideways here. There, there we go. Right there. That's what happens right there. And I, I sucked it in a little bit. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be real authentic here. I sucked it in a little bit when I did that because I didn't want you all to see the truth. Okay? We have a craving for food. So here's a key principle for us this morning. It's going to be on your screen. This is a key principle. Cravings are designed by God. Cravings are designed by God to make us pursue God. Cravings are designed by God to make us pursue God and have our cravings met by Him. Cravings are designed by God to make us pursue God, to have our cravings met by Him through a slow process of a growing moment-by-moment -moment relationship with God. That's our key principle. They were put there by God, but they were put there for a purpose. So that it would, those cravings would drive us closer to Him. But 
Here's what happens most often. Here's what happens in my life. Instead of my cravings driving me to pursue a relationship with God, I just respond very quickly to my cravings. I'm a quick responder. I pick a trail. I hit the road. I find something that is going to quickly satisfy that craving. I opt for instant, reactive, temporary relief that could potentially damage me. And because I'm damaged, now I'm feeling bad about myself and, well, I seek more relief. So I go down another unwise trail to get a taste of relief and to get satisfaction and to feel better. And it's just this cyclical, it's just this cycle that we get on. It's like a merry-go-round and there's, there's no way to get off. Here's an example. This one hits very, very close to home for me. Um, it may for you as well. But if you're, if you're a father, if you're a dad and you have a daughter, I have two. So if you're a dad and you have a daughter, think about this. Your daughter, my daughters, have a craving that has been, DNA, has been hardwired onto their DNA, imprinted on their DNA by God to experience, to, to feel loved, to feel accepted, and to feel secure. It is there, and it is there because God put it there. She craves it. Love, security, it, it's, it's been put there by God. And in time, this is what could happen. Again, making those choices, making those, you know, those, li those, those life trails that we all have to choose. Here's what could happen. In time, she'll discover that if she lets a boy do whatever he wants to do, he's going to pay attention to her. He's going to pay attention to her. And she'll interpret that as care. She'll interpret that as love. She'll interpret that as security. And the more that, she's allow, that she allows, the more that that's going to guarantee that he's going to stay around and he's going to care. And the more she's going to feel cared for. In that moment, in that current situation, that emotional state, she is going to feel love. She is going to feel security. She is going to feel acceptance. Until the inevitable happens. Right? They're going to break up. That's what's going to happen. Until they break up. Now she's devastated. Now she's unloved. Now she's used. Now she's not cared for. And it might even be worse today than what it, would have, what it was before. But here's the difference. My daughter now knows. She now understands. She now has experience to understand what she needs to do to feel loved and cared for. She knows. She knows. She's got the key to the lock. So she's not without a boyfriend very long because she knows. So parents, dads, I'm right there with you. Even talking about this is making me mad right now. For whoever that might be, I want to punch him in the throat. And it's just a hypothetical situation, right? You know what I'm saying? Do we want our kids, our daughter, to bounce from one physical relationship to another, from boy to boy, as she searches for that love, that acceptance, and that security that God has imprinted on her DNA, that craving? Over and over again, relationship after relationship, just piling one hurt on another, one scar, one emotional scar on top of another. I mean, as a father, the, or, or as a father, would I rather her find that love, find that security, find that acceptance in a healthy, loving, nurturing father-daughter relationship? Because she's going to find it because she's craving it. Would I rather her find it there, or would I rather her find it in that father-daughter relationship? as opposed to physical relationship after physical relationship with boy after boy. Now, obviously, this is a very rhetorical question. Yes, we, uh, there's not a father in this room watching us online. There's not a father uh, that would not want to save his daughter from all of those bad memories and those emotional scars. Because we know with each physical relationship that, are, that, that she has, she's going to leave that relationship with deeper wounds on her heart 
and on our emotions? Obviously, that's a rhetorical question. And that's not the point, though. I want you to see the parallel between the two. Because God, my loving, caring, heavenly Father, He looks at me the exact same way that I look at Ella and that I look at Rachel and that you look at your daughter. God is longing for those cravings that he imprinted on our DNA to drive us into a deeper relationship with him. It's a relationship that's going to take time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to be a slow process at times. But it's the only place where those cravings that God gave us, it's the only place where those desires are going to be met in a lasting and complete way. Everything else, every other avenue, every other life trail that I go down to try to satisfy those desires that I have, they're going to be short-lived. It's going to be shallow. I'm going to, it's going to leave me wanting more, right? You know, you're never full when it comes to these cravings. And it's going to leave me feeling empty and more damaged. Because for every craving that I have, it doesn't matter if it's uh, a craving for love, if it's a craving for entertainment, if it's a craving for food, it does every craving that I have. It was designed to be met by God. And when a desire wells up inside of me, and my reactive nature is saying, go for it, make a decision, scratch that itch, satisfy that craving, and do it quickly, I've got to stop. The wise thing, I've got to stop. I've got to take a deep breath, and I've got to be careful how I live, just like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. And as I'm being careful, and I'm looking around, I have to take my current emotional state into consideration before I make a decision. I've got to ask, what am I craving right now? What is my emotion? Am I feeling worthless right now? Do I feel worthless? Do I, do, am I feeling worthless? Do I, do, I need, do I need some significance in my life? Am I feeling bored right now? You know, am I looking for entertainment? Am I looking for something to entertain me? Am I feeling, am, am I feeling unloved? Right now, do I feel, am I just in search of someone to accept me? Someone to care for me? Am I physically hungry? You know, that one, that's for me a lot. And then, after I've asked, what's my current emotional state? I ask the question, which is on the screen. In light of my past experience and my current situation, what's the wise thing to do? And then do it. We've got some other situations that we encounter or we, some other emotions, I should say, that we encounter in our life in situations where our reactive nature screams, go, do it quickly, satisfy uh, that craving, scratch that itch. Let me give you some examples. When we're wounded, when we're hurt, when we're anxious, when we're uh, experiencing anxiety. In those moments, when we are feeling those, mo those uh, emotions in the moment, we got to be careful about the decisions that we make. When someone says something to me or does something to me that em uh, hurts me uh, emotionally, Right, and I'm hurt. I've got to be extra careful in that moment about the life trails that I pick and the decisions that I make. When I'm hurting physically, I'm in pain. I'm actually hurting physically. I've got to be very careful about the life trails that I choose in that moment. When I just had an argument with someone, right? When your feelings are just right there below the surface and they're kind of bubbling right there. You know what I'm talking about? You're kind of on edge. In that moment... When I'm faced with a decision or a choice or a specific life trail, I've got to stop. I've got to be extra careful. And I can't let that current state dictate the decision that I make. When my anxiety is on the rise, I've got to be extra careful about the decisions that I'm about to make. I'll give you some other examples where our reactive nature screams do it. When you're feeling isolated, 
when you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling depressed, say, I, I'm, I'm alone. I feel alone right now. The last year has been very, very easy for us to feel alone and lonely. When we feel like we're failing, when you feel like you're failing at home, you feel like you're failing at work, you feel like you're failing at school, you feel like you're failing at, at college, when, you're, when you feel like you're a failure, when there's no hope, in those moments, we've got to be extra careful about the decisions that we're about to make. And before we say yes to that opportunity, before we say yes to that invitation, and before we get on that trail, we've got to stop. Stop. Take a deep breath and ask, what am I feeling right now? What's my current emotional state? What's the current situation that I find myself in right now? And how is that state, that circumstance, potentially directing my decision-making? Am I feeling alone? Am I feeling depressed? Am I feeling like I'm failing? And then once we answer that question, then we ask, in light of my past experience and my current situation, what's the wise thing for me to do? When your reactive nature, uh, some other examples where your reactive nature says do it. When you're, uh, this one really hits home for me. When you're exhausted, when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're weary. If you are in anywhere connected right now with the ag agriculture right now, you're tired. You're exhausted. You give out. You've been burning it on both ends over the last two weeks, right? It's dry. You're, you're exhausted. You say, I'm overworked. Everyone wants something from me. Everyone needs something from me. I can't be everything to everybody. I'm emotionally spent. I don't have anything else to give. My margins are done. I'm physically tired. I can't sleep. I give up. I'm out. I can't do this. My current situation says I'm out. I'm done. When everything in our reactive nature is screaming for us to run away, to quit, to give up, to, uh, to, to pick a trail emotionally or with our feelings, we got to stop. We got to ask, what's going on right now? What's happening in my life? Am I tired? Am I tired? Am I exhausted? If I'm exhausted, if I'm tired, I may not need to make this decision right now. I need to go to bed. And I know it sounds so simple. It sounds like practical. Well, yeah, of course, but we don't do it. I don't. What's going on right now? And then ask our question. In light of my past experience and my current situation, what is the wise thing to do? We're going to go back to the New Covenant and Paul here for just a second. Paul wrote all of the passages that we're using this morning. And like I said earlier, uh, and Paul told us in, in Romans 7, Paul knew he was a fast responder. He knew he was quick to respond. That was just, that's something that made, that's who he was. He was human. He was just like I am. He was a quick responder. He knew what was right. And he felt like he ended up doing the opposite, and he chose the wrong path. Now, we mentioned in the last series back in, what is this, April? So back in March, we mentioned that Paul had something in his life that was some type of baggage, uh, some type of weakness that plagued him. We have no idea what it was. Paul never defines or he never gives us a clue as to really what it was. Uh, we don't know if it was emotional. We don't know if it was a physical thing. He called it his thorn in the flesh. We don't know. Uh, we just know that it was something that Paul struggled with, apparently on a daily basis. Again, this is a human being with the same problems that I have. And this is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. He said, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, the, the thorn in his flesh. I begged, take it away, get rid of it. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul understood something. 
He understood that regardless of what was going on, regardless of his current situation or his emotional state, he understood that all he needed to make it through the day was the grace of Jesus. And I know how cliche that sounds. I know. I'll be honest with you. I almost uh, deleted that. That, that statement, I almost got rid of it. I was like, that's so cliche. All I need to get through the day is the grace of Jesus. I almost got rid of that. And I thought, you know, I don't know a better way of describing it, though. The way Paul basically, I don't know. I don't know a better way to say it. Paul understood that in the moment when his cravings were the most powerful, when his uh, circumstances were the most raw, when he was the most tired, the most lonely, the most angry, the most depressed, he understood that it was in those moments that he had to let those cravings drive him toward God. When he was wounded, when he was hurt, when he was angry, when he was anxious, he let those emotions and those feelings drive him toward God. When Paul was isolated, when he was lonely, when he was depressed, and he was all of those things. He writes about all of those things in the New Covenant. He felt all of those emotions. He let those things drive him toward God. When he was exhausted, when he was worn out, when he was weary, He just ran toward God. He let his cravings drive him into a deeper relationship with God. And there he knew that the grace of Jesus was what he needed. And that was the wise thing to do. And Paul knew all of of this because, hey, his weaknesses, he knew that because of his weaknesses, he had to be careful. He had to be wise. He had to do what he writes about in Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful how you live. Not like the unwise but the wise. So for that reason, just for what Paul experienced himself, we have to do the same thing. We ask the question, in light of my past experience, in light of the trails that I've marked, in light of the destinations I've been to, in light of the areas that I've experienced success, in light of the areas that I've experienced failure, in light of my past experience, and in light of my current situation, my emotional state, am I tired, am I lonely, am I feeling unloved, am I feeling worthless, what am I feeling right now? What is the wise thing for me to do? So how does that apply to us? This is a very practical series. This may be one of the most practical series that you will ever hear taught at Stuttgart Harvest Church. So what does that mean for us this week? What can we practically take from this morning and what Paul talks about? Well, here's our next step for this week. We have one next step. It's very simple. And it's this. Before I answer and before you answer any invitation this week, Before we respond to any opportunity that we are presented with this week, before we quickly act on feeling, before we quickly act on emotion, before we quickly act on those desires and those cravings that well up inside of us, which is our default, that's that's my default, let's stop. That's our next step. Let's just stop. Let's take a deep breath and let's ask the question. In light of my past experience, And my current situation, what is the wise thing to do? And then do that. It will not come natural. It will not come natural. It will take a conscious, a very pragmatic approach this week to do that. Because our natural inclination is to get, allow emotion and feeling, pick a trail and hit the road and get on it as quickly as possible. And then look around and think, how did I get here? It's not natural. It's not our default. So we have to be very conscious about it this week. That's our next step. See, this is the reason why we address this topic every few years here at Stuttgart Harvest Church and in the church in Malvern. This is why we address this topic. Think with me for just a second. We're we're just about done. Think with me for just a second. Think about the biggest regret 
that you have in your life over the course of the last 12 months. Think of the one thing this, these past 12 months that if you could take it back, the thing you said, the thing you didn't say, the thing you did, the thing you didn't do, the one thing, if you could take it back over the last 12 months, the last two years, the last 10 years, your whole life, I don't know. Think about that one singular thing that if you could do it differently, you would. It's very possible that the question that we are presenting this morning would have led you down and would have led me down a better life trail. So now when we're faced with that decision, this week, let's make a conscious effort to just stop. Take a deep breath, not react based on how we're currently feeling at that moment and what our emotional, I'm tired, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm unloved, I'm worthless. Let's don't react just based off of our current emotional state. Take a deep breath and ask the question. In light of my past experience and my current situation, what's the wise thing to do? Think about it. Think about how this question that's on the screen right now, how it could change your life trail. How it could impact your life. How it could impact the life of those who are around you. Think about it. Hey, McKinley's going to leave it up there. Write it down. Write the question down. Take a picture of it. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your purse. Put it on the visor of your vehicle, right? You know, and just kind of periodically during the day, just look at it. Ask the question. In light of my past experience, my current situation, what's the wise thing for me to do? Think about that. How many situations in your life and in my life over the course of the last decade? How many situations over the course of the last two years? Over the last 12 months? How many situations in the last 24 hours could have turned out differently if we simply would have asked that question in light of my past experience and my current situation? What is the wise thing for me to do? And then we did that. How many things would be different? Let's pray. God, we are so often, we feel unloved and we, we're searching for love in one relationship after another relationship rather than simply allowing that desire and that craving to drive us towards you. And God, we've all felt as though something was missing in our life from time to time. And for many of us, myself, we've looked everywhere to try to make us feel complete. But God, as we move into this week, may we stop in those moments where we're feeling something inside of us, some craving, some desire, an invitation, an opportunity, and just, God, allow all of that to just drive us further and further and closer and closer to you moment by moment. May we not allow these feelings and these cravings to quickly make our decisions, but instead, God, help us to this week just hit the pause button, take a deep breath, and understand that you are the only one who can make us feel right again. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard and give us the courage to do it. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen.